Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Salutations, friends. Welcome to this Friday edition of Fantasy NBA Today. This is your Friday weekend playoff betting primer, where also I get to save up some lessons for the following week. I've got to keep something in the hopper, don't I? We've got a long off-season to go. It's off-season show number 10. We've got eight lessons. I'm going to very, very quickly here lose, lose track of how many lessons there have been versus how many shows. But for now, I was able to count two weeks into our off-season. Good for me. Kids napping in the next room, so we're going to keep this... Uh, we're going to do it sort of NPR style today where I get excited... But I get excited, kind of measured, measured excitement on the show today. You guys, if you're wondering, like, why is Dan sound like he's whispering a little bit? That's why. I have this tiny little window, no childcare, kids on spring break, close to losing my mind, definitely have lost my hair, but I really can't afford to have that kid wake up right now. So let's get through this podcast before he rises. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. I am really still flattered more than anything else. Super excited, actually, that uh, so many of you guys are, are still listening to shows, even in our off-season. I, I thought there would be a more precipitous drop, um, but it hasn't been quite as substantial as expected. So that's kind of cool. Uh, thank you guys for, for continuing to actually listen to episodes of the podcast. Let's keep that going through the off-season. I don't know if you guys like the Friday betting primers, but that's what we're going to do for now. So sit back, relax. Let's see if we can find some values on the board. We'll start with series prices because those do change on a week-to-week basis, and we're still, uh, with the exception of one series, Golden State and Denver, we have relatively competitive first-round series uh, with a couple that, you know, third games upcoming here where things can tip pretty good in either direction. And here's where we stand as of Friday afternoon. So today we got three games going, Hawks, Heat, Bulls, Bucks, uh, Pell's sons are all on the docket here um, for this evening, and so things could change pretty considerably by the time you guys uh, get around to this podcast, if you're listening on Saturday or Sunday or whatever it might be. But right now, Miami is a very large favorite at 1,900 uh, chalk, minus 1,900 Hawks at plus 900. I'm not touching that series price. Um, this series is headed back to Atlanta here. Uh, for tonight, Miami's a two-and-a-half-point road favorite. Hawks probably get one in there. But Miami's got the answer. You know, Miami's playing with a bunch of guys that are kind of bruised right now, but they're hanging in there. No Clint Capella pretty much means the Hawks have no chance. They got no rim protection. They don't have that guy. They don't have the big guy that can actually... And this is sort of... I mean, we're seeing right now, if, if a lot of us have been holding on to Anyako Kongwu for some sort of massive next-year mega surge, I think what we're seeing in these playoffs is that he's not ready. He's not ready for the meaningful games, and Clint Capella is. So he's probably still the guy next year. And I would, and I know it's saying a lot based on a couple of playoff games, but you know you saw Atlanta with Capella in the play-in, and obviously the Heat are a better competition level, but they got no shot without him. So nothing there on the series price. Bulls, Bucks, Milwaukee minus two sixty on the series price. Still relatively chalky considering it, that one's even 1-1. One, one. They're headed to Chicago tonight, and Milwaukee's going to be without Chris Middleton for the entirety of this series. He's out at least two weeks with a sprained MCL. I was kind of hoping 
that that number would come down more, that you might see bucks in the minus 100 to 200 range as opposed to the 200 to 200 to 300 range. So as it stands, I don't think I'm doing it the way. I still think Milwaukee wins this series. I think they, they make their adjustment. You've seen the way they've handled things, and it took an all-timer of a game from DeMar DeRozan, which as good as he's been this year, he's not going to be able to do that every single night. He's just not. Like at some point, the tougher shots are not going to go in. Uh, but I don't know that I can go Bucks at minus 260. I was hoping for Bucks at like minus 170, 190. At the very worst, 190. So this is still a little bit too expensive for me. I'm not going to get in on Chicago. It's become a little bit fashionable now with the injuries. So things have kind of swung a little bit. Uh, so I would look for Bucks if you can find that. I don't know. Maybe if you can find it at 225 or less, I might get in on Milwaukee. But otherwise, I'm probably not going to do that one either. Phoenix is kind of the same story. They're minus 300. Uh, Pell's at plus 250. These were the two big, super chalky lines earlier when the teams were healthy. But the Suns are now down Devin Booker, and they're playing later on tonight also. And it's kind of the same story. Phoenix is going to win this series. They're going to figure it out. They're going to start playing some defense, which they haven't really so far. Uh, They're going to start to force Brandon Ingram into spots where he doesn't want to be. He'll get hot. He'll get cold. It'll be that same kind of story. But the Suns are just a better team. And they've been sort of pushed a little bit, which I think maybe they needed. Probably thought they were going to cakewalk their way through this one. And and now they got their wake-up call. I would expect the Suns to win Game 3 on the road in New Orleans and then start to sort of seal things up a little bit. So not a big fan of this series price. Might do something in the individual game discussion that we'll have here in a moment. But let's move on. Games on Sunday. Utah, Dallas, Brooklyn, Boston, and Minnesota, Memphis. Dallas is a minus 220 favorite in that series now with Luka Doncic likely back for Game 4. We'll get into the individual game number, but this is pretty accurate. This is a pretty accurate series price. You had an opportunity to get in on Dallas when they were down 1-0, but there was always such a big question mark as to when Luka might come back, and then Jalen Brunson just pushed him through. Utah is on the precipice of falling apart and maybe being forced to kind of blow things up a little bit. You might see Quinn Snyder get lured away. There's been infighting all season long. This team was always less than the sum of its parts uh, because of all that stuff. A lot of blame gets thrown on Rudy Gobert, even though he's the only guy on the team playing defense. Uh, they need, a, they need a, a dramatic retooling, and it's not going to happen mid-series, where now, you know, Luka comes back, they eat him alive. The question is, is he healthy? Probably not. Is he healthy enough? Probably. So series price, uh, Dallas probably does win this series. Minus 220 is not that crazy to bet on a team that you feel really confident about winning the series. They've got home court back. They've got their guy back. They're a better team, but they're not going to get that kind of shooting from their bench. So you're going to get some 50-50 games, and a lot of stuff could go wrong. So to that end, uh, I don't, you know, (sighs) series prices are weird because we're looking for value plays, but once you're already two or three games into a series, you need something to swing back because otherwise, like, great, like, you know, Utah plus 180, maybe that is a value play right now if Luka doesn't come back at full health and the Jazz grab game four or maybe even four and five. But they need to win the series for the bet to make sense because nothing at this point is going to happen where, and if Utah wins two games in a row and they go up three games to two, I don't know. I mean, at that point, Dallas might be a sh- very short underdog, and then you are you finally have your chance to get dog on both sides. But you need Utah to win two games in a row. You'd be better off just betting them 
You bet off Jazz money line and let it ride two games. You'll do better than plus 180. Anyway. Uh, Brooklyn starting to become a pretty good sized dog in that series with the Celtics. This is actually a situation where there might be some value on the nets. Boston is getting Robert Williams back. Brooklyn is, they've been pushed. They need to make a very significant adjustment against an excellent defense. I always thought Boston was going to win this series. I thought Boston was a good value before the series started when they were only like a minus 160, 170 kind of favorite. So you can't get on a Boston anymore. But if you wanted to hedge off a slight Boston favorite, you could put a smaller amount on Brooklyn at plus 315 and cover your butt. And if Boston wins game three, then you're like, all right, cool. You know, Celtics are going to go ahead and wrap this thing up. We put our we put our profit in our pocket and move along. Memphis, minus 700. This one has swung really hard the other way. I kind of bought in. I drank the Kool-Aid a little bit. Because before that series start, I said, I bet Minnesota's going to have a really good game one. Because they already got tested in the play-in game. Memphis doesn't have their main... They didn't have their main lineups. Uh, I mean, they had job, but he was working his way back in. It... <sighs> My thought was always that the Grizzlies' style of play was going to take some time. Because they were going to they were going to need the wake-up call. They were the better team, but they beat everybody in the regular season when no one was kind of ready for them. And then, sure enough, Minnesota beat them in Game 1. It looked like Minnesota was going to beat them in Game 3, and the Wolves had this monumental collapse. I actually think there's value of plus 475 on the Timberwolves. I think there's an expectation that after blowing Game 3, that's just it. But for a lot of NBA teams, and I think one that, you know, Minnesota showed themselves to have a pretty good mental toughness. Not Cat, necessarily, by himself, but as a team pretty good mental toughness this year i think they looked at that game and thought look we can win this wolves probably take game four and you've got yourself a pretty good series and that's not a bad price to get on a series that i don't know i think it probably goes six or seven games so why not and if you feel weird about it you can do stuff with the total or with the memphis side on individual games and kind of level things off and then finally Nuggets and Warriors, there's no reason to do anything with that series price. Warriors are minus 20,000 as the favorite, up three games to none. Uh, kind of stealing game three. Figured that one would be a tighter one, but Warriors pulled it out. And now we can turn our attention to the actual games individually. We've been... We've having some decent success with totals. Um... Warriors and Nuggets went over again, which was one that one big fear. I, ca- I said it on yesterday's podcast i said look this is a this is a series where the pace suggests it should be going under but i still don't see anything to make me think the warriors don't keep shooting the ball well and they did again 55 percent again pace of that game had the warriors only graded out to about 104 points but they scored 118 nuggets uh had a pretty successful offensive game as well um, they should have been around 110. They they went over by a couple of points as well. So if you think there's any game where they don't shoot as well, you look at an under for pace. But it, it can't be like you're you're betting on certain things kind of coming back to a mean. And the Nuggets can't stop the Warriors at all. There's just no defending them. So maybe the Warriors just have an off shooting night. But I think it's pretty reasonable to assume that they're going to be above their expected scoring number on pace because of offensive efficiency. And they didn't even shoot free throws all that well. They could have put up more. 
So I don't feel all that crazy about that one. I know I'm kind of looking ahead, but I want to cover all of the games throughout the weekend. Uh, that one is the last one. I don't know why we <laughs> working in reverse here. Warriors play, probably wrap up their series on Sunday, but that one has a line, so that's part of the fun. Line on is 224.5 on the total. Warriors by 3.5. Warriors most likely do wrap up the series. Dubs covering 3.5 points. It's not all that crazy. 224, 225 points is also not that nuts. When a team is set to be eliminated, you'll often see more fouling down the stretch. I do still think that, again, just looking at the pace alone, 104 on one side, 110 on the other, you know, 214 was the speed that game graded out to. But this one's going to be a weird one because Denver is going to be fighting to stay alive. It should go under based on pace, but I still don't know that we can just assume the teams don't continue to shoot well. Slightly to the under, slightly to the Warriors. If I had to, probably not going to do anything with the total just because, you know, look, look at what we've seen so far. And now let's work our way through things in, in chronological order. That was the one that, you know, all those other games on Sunday don't have. And I don't know why I worked backwards like that. I was just kind of looking at yesterday's numbers. Uh, Miami, Atlanta, Miami by two and a half total of two twenty two. We saw that last ball game. Uh, it looked like it was headed over the whole way through, and then it ground to a halt as playoff games do. Um, lots of turnovers, not that many free throws. That one kind of saved us. The the big turnovers, the slightly lower free throw count, kind of saved us a little bit. Uh, Atlanta should have been about a buck twelve, buck thirteen based on pace. They had a lot of possessions. They didn't capitalize on them because of the high turnovers and not getting to the free throw line. You know, Trey Young only took four. He had 10 turnovers. Miami continues to defend him exceptionally well. And on the Miami side, they were a bit more efficient. Not quite as many turnovers, far more free throws. Um, they were pretty close to their expected number. I think they were supposed to be somewhere about the 110 range based on pace. Uh, 108, 109 maybe. So this one should have been about 222. Uh, it stayed under by about a bucket. So if you're looking at tonight's ball game, you see the total at 222. That's right where it should have been. I would venture to say that Atlanta probably plays better at home than they do on the road. That's how they've been most of the season. Offensively, I think you'll see Trey Young have a better ball game. So I actually, for the first time ever, I would lean ever so slightly to the over. But at the same time, you also see series tend to slow down a little bit. Game three, typically slower than game two. Game one, four, five, that type of stuff. They, the pace does eventually kind of level off before fatigue is the reason to look at unders. So this one, I think, really could be right around 222. I think maybe 223, 224, but that's way too close to make a play on it. And I don't like the side at all. Um, I do think Miami kind of whips the Hawks overall, but there's going to be a, a Trey Young mega game mixed in somewhere. And Miami's doing everything they can to just get it out of his hands. Don't let him be Trey Young, and it's worked. Milwaukee, Chicago, Bucks favored by one and a half on the road. This should be a pretty damn good ball game. Uh, 222 and a half is also a pretty good uh, number on the total. That last one ended at 224 right on the number. Which, by the way, remember the first game, uh, they only scored like 179, but the pace graded out to about 230. So it slowed down by about two and a half, three possessions between game one and game two. Game three probably slows down another possession or two. But the big, the big what if is 
offensively, what are we going to get? Chicago was pretty close to their expected number. Low turnovers, not many free throws either. Uh, Over on the Milwaukee side, they actually went under by a couple of points, but it was also pretty damn close. They would have been right on it if they hit a few more of their free throws or maybe even slightly over. So that 224, very close to the actual pace of the ball game, meaning this one might slow down a little bit more. You might also see Milwaukee finally have a, a little bit of a better showing. They were a little better on offense in the ballgame there. Giannis was better. Middleton was better. Brooke Lopez was better. Drew Holiday continues to be not very good. They needed to get something from someone besides their stars, and they just didn't get anything there. Um, yeah, I mean, you're, if you're looking at that total for tonight, for Friday night, 222.5, that's pretty good. It's a pretty good number. And then Phoenix, New Orleans... Pell's a one-point home favorite. It's basically a pick Total of 216. Last game there, uh, when the hell did they play on? Tuesday? Yeah, that one was at 239. I mean, think about this. That game was 239. Went over the posted total by 18 points. And the, the current number is lower. And I know some of that is the Devin Booker thing. Him being out does bring the overall number down. It opened at 222, and it's dropped five or six points, more than likely on the Devin Booker news. But at the same time, by the way, I think it's now swung to Suns by a one-point favorite. Not that it matters, really. Um, That's a crazy thing to see happen. For a total to go over by 20, and then the next game to drop by that much, Suns will be fine. They'll find a way to score without Devin Booker. They've got plenty of ways to do it. Chris Paul will likely be better in this ballgame. But here's the thing. We look at the speed of the game. And the fact that the Suns are a particularly efficient offensive team. Effectively, they had about 107 possessions. So you think, okay, well, you know, how good are they going to be? Are they going to be one point per possession, something to that end? Again, this is fuzzy math to some degree. But once again, they got out-rebounded in Game 2. But they went over their that pace number by about 7 points. The Pels side is the one that we really need to look at. Because they were only expected to score about 111. And they scored 125. Specifically on great shooting. 17 three-pointers and a huge game for Brandon Ingram. CJ McCollum didn't shoot the ball all that well, but he did have six threes. For a team to go 55% and the team to have 17 three-pointers, I don't see how they could be almost any better on the offensive side. So that's why you're seeing the total coming down even when the the number from the previous game is so massive. Because it should have been about 110-107 at final number. And instead, it's 217, and instead it was 125-114. to So the total is right on the money. Odds makers nailed it at 216. If anything, it might tick slower for Game 3. And then you look at the under a little bit again. Saturday's a big four-gamer. Yeah, I know. We got a little bit left to cover here on this show, so uh, don't don't shut her down yet. Sixers-Raptors, Sixers three-point road favorite. Total sitting at 213.5 right now. That last one so far under. Stayed under even in overtime. That's how much you know it was trending towards the under. Philly won 104-101. Total was 216.5. 
in that ball game, so it has come down about a possession and a half or so. Uh, and and it shouldn't be a big surprise because the teams actually were you know decent enough offensively. Philly had way too many turnovers. There weren't that many free throws in Game Three. That's the thing you look at as the way this game might claw its way all the way up to the actual total. But again, Toronto's expected scoring was about 105. Philly was about 106. So this one only, when you look at the actual pace of it, only went under by maybe five or six points. So it was pretty close to the actual speed of the ball game, and that's with overtime. Unless you think that this one, that game four, just turns into a track meet, or maybe that the Raptors are down late and they foul for the final 80 seconds or something like that, you look at the under again. Sixers want to play slow. They're not going to be pulled into the fast game, and it works. They can score in the half court because they have Joel Embiid. Raptors got to find another way. They're trying to get out and do stuff, but it's just not working. Philly's not, you know, Philly not getting to the free throw line was sort of notable when, in the final number here. I, you know, Embiid probably gets more free throws in game four. That's, that's your fear. If Philly doesn't turn it over 22 times, they win this thing a lot earlier. But you know, get Toronto, you know, they didn't turn the ball over. They just didn't get to the foul line, didn't shoot all that well. It's probably going to be a higher scoring. I mean, if they played overtime again, it would be more than 205, but you might get 205 in regulation, and then you're still going under a little bit. It's not that far off the mark. You know, with those last potential end-of-series free throws that could get right up near that number, slightly to the under. Jazz, five-point home favorites. Despite the expectation that Luka plays, is going to draw, I would think, a pretty good amount of tickets on the Maverick side, but we'll wait and see. We don't know for sure if he's actually going to be in there. And for, to that end, you almost can't bet it. You can't bet it because now we, you know, we, we're, we're right there. And betting into a game or a series, game in particular, where you don't know if the most important player is in or out, is... Not a good idea. You know, there's just too many opportunities out there for us to need to go make a play on uh, a game where there's something this huge up in the air. When the crap did these teams play last? I thought they played... Oh, that's right. It was yesterday. It was Thursday. Dallas won at 126-118. Super high-scoring game. Total there was 207.5, so it went flying over the number. Number is much higher. Although, again, it's not as though the pace was all that breaknecky. It was that Dallas was hyper-efficient. Only eight turnovers, 31 free throws, 18 free throws. 18 three-pointers, excuse me. Utah only took 69 shots in the ball game, 33 free throws, only 14 turnovers, only nine three-pointers, but they shot 56.5%. I mean, they were so efficient. Both teams were offensively in this one. So, you know, there's a possibility that that game is creating a little bit of an underbubble for us. But the Luka thing makes it hard to dive into it. You're going to see a lot of money coming in on the over with the number as low as 212 after the last one hit 244. But I kind of love it. I kind of love it. Because if you dig deeper, if you dig deeper and you look at the pace, Utah only had about 99 possessions. And uh, Dallas, what did they have? About 105, 106 just because of the turnover difference. So this one should have been about 205. 
And they went over by about 40 combined points. So beautiful. Anomalous outcome. I love it. Nets, three-point home favorites. Celtics uh, with a total of 222. These teams last played on Wednesday, I believe. And, of course, Boston coming back in that ballgame, erasing a nice deficit. And the Nets have been kind of devastated in a couple of games, but they've been right there. It's very easy to look at this series and just call it. But KD hasn't been very good. He had 20 free throws in Game 2, but overall, he's been bad. Boston's been defending him really well. Kyrie Irving was not as good, and Brooklyn was right there. Massive game out of Bruce Brown. I do ultimately think Boston wins this series, and they've got Time Lord coming back. Jason Tatum wasn't very good in Game 2, and they found a way to win anyway. But this is going to be a competitive series. It's far from over. Tickets are pretty split. I mean, the line is is probably pretty good. The total would be where I'd focus my attention. Total is 222. Last game ended at 221. But again, we do our, our work here by checking out number of possessions. And it's pretty damn close. It's pretty damn close. Boston did go over their expected pace number because of shooting 52% from the field. That was what brought them to that higher mark. Um, to that end, you know, 214 would be if the two teams put up about a point per possession, roughly, uh, or a little bit less than that. So maybe you look slightly at the under, but I would expect, I would expect Brooklyn to have a better offensive showing here back at home. I don't know what the whole Ben Simmons saga might mean for this thing. And you're going to, you're going to see money coming in on the over just because of who's playing in this series. Um, but I actually think the number's not all that crazy at 222. That's pretty damn accurate, I believe. Pretty damn accurate. Maybe a very slight lean to the under, but almost nothing. Nets probably win it. I think the Nets win this ballgame. There's going to be a KD and a Kyrie game coming up. I think that's probably this one. And then the Grizzlies, three-point road favorites at Minnesota, total of 232. A lot of money coming in on the under, interestingly. Uh, Wolves also actually catching some tickets here as a three-point underdog. I know I said during our earlier part that I thought Minnesota has a pretty good chance of kind of fighting back in this ballgame. I think it's going to be a really close game. I think it's a close one. It does kind of look like Memphis has begun to figure things out. I'm a little surprised at the 232 after the two teams combined for 199 points in Game 3. It's worth pointing out that the teams were not good from an efficiency standpoint. Memphis should have been at about buck 16 in terms of possessions. Minnesota was closer to about 111, 112. So still to that end, that would go ever so slightly under a 230-some-odd line. Uh, but this one at 199 was only down that low because of how bad the teams were on offense. Neither team shot the ball well. They combined for 34 turnovers, missed their free throws. They got to the free throw line. They just missed them. Memphis shot 64.5%, Minnesota 74%. And Minnesota is typically one of the better free throw shooting teams. Unless they got Cat, who can hit them 
big guy that can make his free throws does tend to kind of weigh on things a little bit. Memphis is not that great of a foul shooting team, so I wouldn't expect a ton of good stuff there. Jaw's not that outstanding. Brandon Clark's not a very good free throw shooter. Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, those guys are a bit better at the line, but you know, you see the the other dudes tend to weigh in on it a little bit more. So don't be blown away by the big number on that one. Uh, again, possessions was high 220s, like 228-ish. So 232 is not crazy, especially if the teams have even the slightest, like, decent performance on the offensive side. So that number's pretty good. Uh, game, I believe, ends within five points of that posted total, which is not one I would get in on to play it. Probably not touching the side there either. And so when you wrap all these things together, uh, the most interesting stuff... Oh, geez, you know me. I'm like lo- I'm looking at unders out of the shoot. Um, Suns, Pels, possible under was kind of interesting. Mavs, Jazz was kind of an interesting under, although the Luka stuff does mess that up a little bit. Heat, Hawks, do you think that one might creep over? I don't know. And then do the Bucks bounce back tonight? Also kind of an interesting thing. All right, guys, enjoy the weekend. Have some fun with these bets. We'll be back around with you on Monday. Lesson learned number nine, off-season show number 11 at that point. I'm Dan Bespris for Fantasy NBA Today. Shout out Fantasy MLB Today. Go check it out. Go win your baseball league. You might as well. Subscribe. Fantasy MLB Today. Okie dokie. All right, that's it. Okay, I'm done. Kid didn't wake up. We made it, guys. Toodaloo.